You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. In a week when Lucien fell out of Favre with Dortmund, Bradford, McCall, Time on 80s Mullet King, Stewart and Barrow announced that they were done with David. The early form bedwetters down Albion Way were twitching neurotically in their social media dens as the first festive jeer descended on Graham Potter's reign. <laughs> Peter's already laughing away. <laughs> Very much not hiding in their dens with the Seagulls' opponents, Leicester City, who outfoxed and thoroughly Brendan, Brendan rogered us on their way to an all-too-comfortable 3-0 win. <laughs> in, in part one of this episode, Peter, Andy B and I will be dissecting the rotten carcass that uh, the lean and mean foxes left lying limp on the rain-soaked King Power pitch and touching on a couple of general news stories. While in part two, we'll be joined by a couple of Fulham fans to preview the Wednesday night encounter at the Cottage. So, Peter, Andy, have you recovered from that horrendous intro? <laughs> Just not <about>. quite, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably take our first break there then, shall we? How long did that take you to write? <laughs> um, rather too long. No, no, it didn't actually. I've just knocked it up. But um, anyway, <laughs> who said I wrote it anyway? What are you talking about? So, yeah, we'll get straight to it and we probably won't spend too long on it either. The Leicester game, um, we'll come, come into that in a moment, guys. Uh, just general view and the broader analysis, a few bits of general football news coming up as well. Just one bit of um, information I wanted to mention before we get into the review regarding our recent bad um, luck, should we say, with decisions. Um, apparently, PGMOL have said, firstly, they've stipulated that it's not a ref to monitor protocol in the case of the Saints game. So that's why um, it's just basically stipulated that the ref wouldn't go to the monitor in that situation. It's just a matter of whether it was in outside the area. And apparently that's decided wrongly in this case by the VAR official. Um, however, they do agree because they have apparently said they're sorry for VAR getting it wrong. Thanks for nothing there, chaps. Um, just wanted to mention that. that they got wrong. Yeah, I know. Well, they, they, they're going to be busy apologising, aren't they, really, the way it's been with us? Surely, isn't it, on that basis? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're up to nearly 10 decisions now against this, but uh, we won't rant on because, for once, the refereeing wasn't a problem at the weekend. Um, however, 
the football was. Um, guys, it was a bit of a whitewash, wasn't it, really, in the end? Um, we started quite well early on, um, giving as good as we got. Had a couple of good early chances, didn't we? Didn't yeah. take my chance, as so often. Yeah. And Welbeck this time was the one who was a guilty one. Yeah. After a, what was actually a really good move. Would have been a lovely goal if he'd scored it. It was, yeah, yeah. And the other chance as well, which was, was it Jahanbach? I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah the other, but that was a the other decent shot. Yeah. It wasn't like a particularly guilt edge, but yeah, Welbeck had to score. They had to lift it over the keeper rather than put it on the ground. Yeah, um, it's again, yeah, it's a recurring theme, isn't it? Andy, the same, just uh, we keep talking about the same stuff, but um, in, in tight games or games against really good opponents like Leicester, you know, who, who we faced in weaker moments, should we say, but they are certainly back on form. When you're playing teams like that, all the more so, you've really got to take your chances, haven't you? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, we miss we miss two good chances and then basically they just rip us apart, don't they? I mean, particularly mm-hmm. down our left. I couldn't, I mean, because you can't watch it live, I couldn't really see why March wasn't helping Burn out, but Burn was just off it and um, exposed. I can't understand why March wasn't there with him, helping him out, but um, maybe March was marking someone else who just couldn't see because of the TV angle, but we just got destroyed and really, um, you know, that that, that was a, just a classic Leicester performance, which worries me a yeah. little bit because I think Fulham beat them, didn't they, recently? They did, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And Vardy, I mean, he just, he feeds off the ball, you know, off those kind of um, fast balls into the box. I thought, I thought mm. we, you know, we, I thought White played quite well. I didn't. I didn't think Dunk had too bad a game, but um, and I just think you know Burn was exposed, and it was interesting that you know um, Elzati comes on later on. Yankabash is playing. Burn gets a game instead of Webster. Um, so so no, the sort of um, changes that people have been asking for, and there we are with three 0 down, and we're not we're not in the game. Yeah, I mean, we we started, it was a little bit hard to decipher what we were going to do when we saw the team sheet. It could have been a 3-5-2 slash 5-3-2, could have been a 3-4-3. Sofa score had us down as a 4-2-3-1 with Morps at number 10 and Solius uh, left wing attack, Jahanbach right wing attack, Basuma and Gross in midfield and Berners left back. I, I think it kind of pretty much was that, wasn't it, actually, in, in a sense, Um Except the fact we just we looked so narrow and we were getting done on the wings, as as you said, Andy, um, and we just didn't really. There were some tactical changes going on, but we really. it didn't arrest the problem. B wings, it was just one wing. I mean, Veltman, yeah. Veltman was fine; he didn't have a problem. It was yeah, he had a good game. Side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just down that side. And I, think, yeah. I didn't think Veltman had a bad game either. It was just Byrne got annihilated and. Probably showed that he, he, while he was decent last season, probably isn't Premier League quality, frankly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got to be time to dispense with that experiment, assuming we had other options, which we must have had there because we could have just played solely there and played Webster or or not or played well, a played Bird at centre back, mm-hmm. where it's actually a position, and played March at wing back. I mean, which is what we've been doing pretty well generally. I mean, I don't know yeah. why they changed the formation. I think Webster, there might have been a slight, um, yeah. slight knock or something. And you can start with the start with the the, the players that started, but play March and Veltman at wingback. Hmm. Yeah, it could do. But I agree with you. Yeah, I thought Veltman had a very good game. I thought White's was fine. A couple of really good blocks. Uh, one, I think, on Vardy, which yeah. um, was crucial and shows his quality. Um, as you said, that side of the pitch wasn't particularly a problem anyway, the right side. Um, but I thought, yeah, Dan... 
just looked really exposed, didn't he? And uh, it didn't allow Solly to really impose himself further forward right, either. Leicester, uh, just just James Justin looked. Yeah, time he went at him, he just couldn't deal with him. He looked, player, he looked really player, good. Actually. Yeah, he yeah. did look good. I mean, he was to be fair though, he was he was given far too much space. Yeah. You know, being Leicester have got both was it Pereira and Castagnier out who are wing backs. So, so this guy's not even he went not even first choice normally, and he destroyed Burn like he you know he wasn't even there mm. most of the time. Mm. And yeah, yeah, yes, he yeah. probably wouldn't be first choice in Leicester's when Leicester have everyone fit. Yeah, that's it. Um, although it's fairly even in the earlier stages, I think you sort of felt like the goal might be coming when it did. Madison twenty seven minutes in the end. Um, yeah, they hit the post. Question, yeah, took a slight deflection. Um, criticisms from some quarters for Ryan for maybe not doing as well as he could have done. Uh, what's your view on that? Go on, Andy, if you want. No, I was just going to, I just, I just, well, I mean, in terms of just watching Madison play, really, I just think he's just, I mean, when he's on his game like he was yesterday, I mean, on Sunday, sorry, I mean, he plays with a bit of arrogance and swagger, a bit like Vardy, but he's worthy of it, really. And, um, mm. you know, I, I know it's a lot of complaints about the goalkeeper, but Half the time, I don't, I don't really see how he's... Well, I suppose the first goal, yeah, there was a bit of a... There was possibly it was a, a bit of fault. But, you know, he doesn't... I don't see the goalkeeper make many fundamental errors for the amount of, hmm. for the amount of, of a backlash he gets, really. And, yeah. um, and I think late, later on, um, you know, they just... In terms of their chances, they just showed their, their sheer class, really. Couldn't get anywhere near, I, yeah, yeah, I can see why people maybe mentioned Ryan for the first. But I think it took a deflection. People underestimate how much... Of a, of a change that is and how, you know, it's going pretty much to him and then it suddenly deflects and it's further away and it's it's a harder one. Yeah, I think people people don't really appreciate I think people are looking to get Ryan at the moment for some unknown reason. I don't understand the logic. There's all these stats flying around about, you know, kind of like number of shots he's saved compared to compared to ones he's actually um, let in. But it's like, well, if you can't, if, if, you hit, if you have a certain number of unstoppable shots, and we give away really good chances like that, and then don't give away a lot of others. Then what's he supposed to do? He can't like manufacture saves out of nowhere. Yes, yeah. and for what it's worth, on the height front, there's nothing you can do about that. And I don't think he's particularly short. He's just shorter than most. But there's that's a lot not himself initially. For the fact that he actually proved he's better than they thought he was when he first yeah. joined, and they've been waiting to be proven right that he wasn't good enough when they when we when he yeah. first joined, and they he made a couple of mistakes yeah. they piled on. And we're kind of like everyone, at least you know, the people who don't want Brighton to do well a lot of the time, and just like prefer us to actually do badly so they can moan. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them around. I mean, the issue there was getting the shot away was the problem, and um, of course they did get another shot away. I think it was Tielemans where Ryan did make a really good save yeah, after yeah. that first yeah. goal. Yeah. Um, he got down quick, and what what they love, love to call a um, a smart save down to his right. That'll be our cliche of the day. Um, <laughs> I do I like mean, a I smart would, save, I mean, don't you? I mean, for part two, weren't we? I mean, if you look yeah. at, I mean, I think, yes, Ryan in the first season, there were some goals that I thought he was culpable for. But, you know, I don't really see that in his in his play generally now. You know, I mean, there, there might be the odd one, but not not many at all. I just think that it's like, like the, the header against, um, you know, from Vestergaard against Southampton, you know, it was right in the top corner from the penalty spot. You know, you, yeah. you've got to be you've got to be pretty amazing to be able to go and push that yeah. over the bar. You know, I saw some muttering that the Sky commentators were going, "No, have no chance with it," and everywhere else I saw, he said they said he had no chance with it. But there were still people saying, "Oh, Ryan should have could have, a, a taller keeper would have got that." And it's like, well, no, they wouldn't. No, exactly. And I mean, the, the thing was, as the game wore on, I was I was thinking, well, if we can get to half time, maybe get the chance to impose some nice little practical 
um, tactics into the equation in half time. And of course, right on cue within about two minutes of me saying that, as usual, things go wrong. Vardy bang, bangs one in, opportunism is short, is, is quickly in there, snappy, no nonsense, one touch, boom, past the goalie, hits it low and close to him so he can't get to it. Um, again, you could question on the defending there, couldn't you? That was the 41st minute. I think you could definitely question the defending there. It was great. Yeah. Well, what do you think went wrong there, Peter? Uh, they gave the, the um, was it Justin who crossed for that one? Yeah, gave him two, whoever yeah. it was, gave him far too much room. Um, yeah. Burn standing off again. And then the defenders lost Vardy, basically, and kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Well, they more or less had two, two on one, didn't they? For a minute as well. They were doing their line bit, and I thought we might just by, you know, kind of like a fingernail get away with it, as they, you seem to yeah. do these days. And then it, if, it felt like Byrne had two men for a while, and he had to, he, he was distracted with the fact that he had two, so he couldn't close down quickly. Mm-hmm. And the, the other problem is that because Vardy's stolen a head there, um, the problem is you can't then defend it too well because you've got Vardy has got room to run into. Yeah still behind the right winger there. And he's so we, we have to keep up with him. We can't play him offside. Um, and in fact, as it turned out, I think it probably was just onside. Yeah, it was. Man yeah. to man. But it was also the ball as well. I think the ball was level with the player anyway. He'd get away if it had been one of those ones. If it had oh, been yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't so, saying it should have been, but I just thought one of those you know, lucky ones with VAR where it turns out the, the screen gives it like by one inch or whatever. And yeah. And I mean, no complaints about that really apart in, in terms of uh, decisions. From defensive point of view, yes. Um, the third one, though, uh, Madison again, 44th minute, just three minutes after they pretty much put us to bed. They completely did um, with the last goal of the game, as it turned out, the third goal. Uh, pretty good goal, to be honest, wasn't it, from Madison? I love goals like that, except when they're scored against it was, us. Dan <laughs> do not let Madison inside on, your, on his left foot. Do not let mm. him inside. Throw him out. Even though he can, you know, he can still cross and that sort of thing, there's still danger, but... Whatever you do, do not let him outside, you know, inside on his left foot. It's yeah. it's like very simple defending that, you know, it's not simple, but it's simple logic, you know, don't let the player with such a brilliant, you know, shot on him kind of cut in and shoot. Yeah. Um, I think, um, Andy? I was, yeah. Well, I just think I was, the whole game really, I was, I was left at the end thinking, today I'm not really sure how good Leicester were and, and how poor we were really. Because I think that, they did everything that a Leicester side would do. And it was just more a case of like, well, how much of that did we actually let them? And is this, uh, you know, is this just a bad game or is this the beginning of a, a poor run of form? And um, just at the time when we need to be, we need to be a bit more positive and a bit more kind of proactive. I just wonder whether that team actually believes it can really score many goals at the moment. Yeah. Second half, second well, half we, yeah. And I just think second half we sort of, Huffed and puffed and didn't really do anything, and I and I think Leicester just kind of lost interest in um in you know they they've done enough they've got they, they've got their eye on other games coming up and they just did enough really and then they took a couple of players off and and just sort of kept us at arm's length. Yeah, the interesting thing for me is where it looks again although Liverpool less so I suppose but certainly today yesterday Sunday we looked I thought very one pace without without Lamptey. We, we don't really have anyone with a burst of pace to really kind yeah. of trouble anyone or, you know, it's kind of, what, no Welbeck's got a little bit of speed, Malpe has, but there's no one really with that extra bit of pace that you need in Premier League from someone other than that. When you, when you couple that with the fact that you're missing the intricacy of someone like Lalana as well, you've got two big assets there, different assets, um, both missing, um, that complement each other in some yeah. respects. On the other hand, um, Leicester had four or five out, I think, Sionku... Pereira yeah. and Castanier. 
Um, but I've, I've long since rated them as a, as a team, as a squad, um, and Rogers as a manager. I think they're all very good. I've, I've always thought they were a good side in, in the recent two to three years. And I think since the point when they signed Tielemans, they really sort of stepped on a bit as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, they, were, they weren't at their best in recent games we've had against them, but they certainly were in this one. As you said, it was, it was pretty casual. You can say we, we did better in the second half. It was nil-nil second half, but that's only because they took their foot off the pedal. If they needed five goals to win a title or something, they, they would have got the extra two goals. It felt like that anyway. Um, and speaking of which, I did call them as possible title contenders a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Um, with Liverpool still stumbling a bit and having a horrendous injury crisis, City not really shining after that utter, utter bore fest in the Manchester derby, which luckily I missed. Um, you know, there's, there's still a chance, isn't there, for Leicester? If they keep doing Tottenham that. This midweek, because Liverpool play Tottenham, I think, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I think um, Leicester are playing with like two or three of their best defenders out at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. so yeah, and so that nineteen-year-old like... French kid looked pretty, pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, he looked good, yeah, and not, but he looks like he's well worth it. From what I've, I've mentioned in him in my delightful intro, which I could see you you two really enjoyed. Um, I mentioned the words lean and mean in terms of Leicester, and they really were. I mean, it says big chances stats on SofaScore um, that they had two big chances to our one, and we both missed one each. So. Obviously, our one is the Welbeck one, isn't it, really? And, and for them, the fact they've missed one, but they've still got another two goals, as well as the big chance they did score, just shows you how clinical they are. Um, people like Vardy are just, they're so no-nonsense, aren't they? They're just boom, 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 boom. They don't muck about. I mean, obviously, like I don't a... know whether Madison, we were unlucky in the sense that Madison suddenly hit a form because he's not really been in form this season, or he hit form because we basically gave him the run of the pitch and yeah. him... You know, other teams have actually marked him, whereas we didn't bother most of the game. Yeah, possibly a bit of I, I was thinking, well. Pete, I was thinking something similar about our forwards. You know, when, we, when we've when missed some of our chances, is that is that, you know, a great informed goalkeeper or is that just crap finishing? Mm. You know, I'm beginning, I'm beginning to wonder, actually, whether it's more about the finishing than the goalkeeper. Yeah, you could, yeah. Cause you could argue both on Sunday because Schmeichel did well to save Welbeck's shot. But a good Premier League striker on form who's would have put that out of reach, given the chance yeah. Just, just wouldn't have given him a chance, would yeah. he? Yeah. So he needs to yeah. save. He, he forced a decent save from him, but he really should have done more. And I, I think, I think you're right. I think our strikers can't finish, basically. Hmm. Yeah, and I think um, certainly the stats didn't look good. They did have 54% possession, Leicester, as well, which is interesting because they often win with less. Um, but all in all, I think and we won't dwell on the second half too much because there wasn't really much to say about the game. It was a flat one, wasn't it? Um, I think instead we'll probably. Um, just overall observations. Anything else to mention about the game? I, I thought, I mean, I thought March did reasonably well. I thought Veltman was good. White was good. Basuma had another good game. The rest were either okay or not very good, um, I, I think. Um, would that be about fair, do you think, we, overall? We desperately need to find some sort of combination up front that works. Whether it's with one hmm. striker with players like Trossard um, and Grosh off them, or if it's two of them or whatever, or even three like Liverpool. We need to find yeah. something that works where we're going to take our chances and yeah. we haven't found it yet. And they need to, and yet every, I do hear people saying, you know, it's not Potter's fault. He can train them all he wants if they miss their chances. But yes, that's true. But if they continually keep missing chances and all three of our strikers have done it in the last few weeks, you know, kind of, you know, both of Podley and um, Balpe missed key chances at Liverpool and now yeah. then, and then this. So, it's just so frustrating because you feel that if we could take our ch- some chances, we actually would be quite a decent team. But we're gonna, we're, if we can't take our chances, we're gonna be you know, destined to hang around the bottom end of the Premier League until eventually we get relegated. Basically, whoever is manager. Yeah, I think so as well. Are... That, 
was just going to say, I think Trossard as well as like his, his form's drifting away again, isn't it? He drifts in and out a bit like consciousness, really. And um, at the moment, you know, when he's on the pitch, it's almost like he's not there, really. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we won't dwell on it too much, other than to say that was always going to be a tough game. The next two, in fact, the those two games and the Arsenal game are all feasibly winnable matches and the way teams the teams have played. Fulham, I'm getting a bit worried about, obviously, because of the way that uh, they've, they've got a good result against Liverpool, of all teams, one all, same result as us. So that's going to be a tough one. And we'll be talking... We're going to have to bound to win at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. Exactly. You're not going to go a whole season without... Even Derby won a, um, one game, or was it two? Yeah. We, they're bound to win something. And our home form is dreadful. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, but let's see how we go. I mean, I think it's it's too early for bedwetting. I think you've got to get through this Fulham game and the Sheffield United game and then really start to form a judgment for there because I think that's a fair enough number of games then that have been played. And having not had results that we should have done, having lost games that we deserve to lose, um, and then coming up with these fixtures that we could feasibly win, if we don't win those, then we can start to to have a discussion, I think. If and we don't beat we, those two, we won't have beaten what well, they won't be by the time if we fail to beat them both probably. But at the, as, as at this point in speaking with bottom four, we'll have failed to beat yeah. all of them. So, which is unacceptable, really. I mean, we need to, I don't expect to beat teams, but we need to not be, not, yeah. not to be failing to beat all of the bottom four, basically. And that's what exactly. would happen if we fail to beat United and Fulham. Yeah. And um, Naylor was, Naylor was making a similar point today and talk, or the other day and talking about, um, you know, who who else could join the bottom five? And he could only really come up with leads. So, I mean, unless we get two or three wins and put us back in the mid-table, which is possible, um, you know, I think we're we're bottom five, maybe bottom six material for the rest of the season. Yeah, it could I'm not be always a... convinced about Newcastle, but other than that, you know, there's only, no, I'm there's not. only five uh, or six it, down It there. could be a six-horse race, a five or a four or a three. We'd like yeah. it to be a three or a four not involving us. Yeah. Um, Burnley yeah. are starting to pick up points. They got a win at Arsenal, which is annoying. It does mean we could still overtake Arsenal this midweek, but uh, I think I'd rather Burnley had lost. To be fair, yeah. Um, well, we've uh, we've got the news. Oh, Sorry, go on, Peter. One more um, point. The only the thing that kind of um, occurred to me, which I now trying to think of, what I was about to say. Oh yeah, there's um, there's, there's teams like Newcastle and Palace who we've outplayed, especially Newcastle, but also Palace mm-hmm. away, having so many more points than us. That's so frustrating that we. Basically, and uh, we've outplayed teams, and yet they're sitting there in comfortable with table on 17, 18 points, and we're sitting back in, you know, fifth bottom with 10 points, looking definitely looking down. And it's like, well, how comes these teams can pull out the results when they're, you know, look really poor against us? We made them look poor, and yet, you know, Palace only got a shot from a penalty, which was not a penalty. Yeah, also were dreadful, and yet somehow, you know, we 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 dominated both of them, and yet they're like so far above us. Yeah, true. It's a mixture and it's a quandary, but we'll, we'll wait and see how it pans out. Um, the footy news in general, we'll actually carry that into part two because we already have our illustrious Fulham fan guest joining us on Zoom now. So um, we're going to break for a quick interval. Uh, when we come back, we will be joined by the aforementioned guest. Stay tuned, guys. So welcome back to part two of the pod, uh, where we are now joined by two Fulham guests. We have with us Jackie and Lorraine. Welcome to the show. Um, how are you both? All right? We're good, Very thank good. you. Thank you for having us on. Excellent. Lovely to have you on. It's, it's, it's great. But um, 
obviously we've got a big game coming up and we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, rivals to come. But in the meantime, we're all friends here. Um, as we, we ask you about, um, firstly, I guess, about your um, background in terms of being Fulham fans. When did it all start for you? And uh, where and where and when, really? So, I don't know, Jackie first, do you want to go first? Well, in a way, Lorraine should go first, actually, because oh. um, she she got me along to a game. I've been a football fan for years, but never really found my home. And then Lorraine invited me along to a game, which happened to be a Liverpool game, actually. And um, we went into the cottage. We sat down. We started playing. Liverpool started playing very well. Fulham just started playing not that well. But, you know, um, and by about half time, I thought, oh, this is where I want to be. So it was great. But um, Lorraine should probably fill you in on where she was before that. Yeah. Let's go to Lorraine then. Yes. Over to you. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, I, from when I was a schoolgirl, always loved watching football and used to get my dad to take me to Wembley to the international matches. And um, I had a season ticket for Luton Town when I was 16, Flutton for Punishment, because that's where my nearest, it was my nearest club. Um, and so I've always, um, you know, when I was at University in Sheffield, just did Sheffield Wednesday, Luton, Sheffield Wednesday, that. And then, so when I came to London, I was living in Hammersmith. The, the, there was no choice. It definitely wasn't going to be Chelsea. I don't go for the glamour clubs. It was, you know, Fulham. And I went along, and it's when they were still standing at the terraces at the Putney end. And, and that was about 20 years ago. So I've been a fan of Fulham for, for you know, since over that period. And um, I just loved it because it's, yeah, it, it's got, not just the character and the ground, which is obviously a big part of, you know, the fans are really, really proud of the ground and and and, and love it when away fans sort of say, oh, it's one of the best away matches. We love going to Fulham because the ground's nice. And, you know, and that's, that's nice. It's part of, you know, what's important. But um, it, it, it was the style of football, the teams, the history, and you just get absorbed in it. And so, and, and it was... Um, a few, so, uh, and I used to always bring lots of friends and, you know, anyone that was interested in football. And uh, and Jackie, like, Jackie, it was her natural home. She said, I found my club. <laughs> like, <laughs> we went there. And um, and that was really good because we've all had lots of sort of friends and stuff come with us over the years. But n- no one of our, certainly of our girlfriends, has been as into it as us two. And, um, and, and, we obviously love it, um, to the point that about how how long has the blog been going now, Jackie? About seven years or was it? Fifteen years, do you think? Because it was there was the the thirteen year Premier League then. Yeah, but the blog, how long have we been doing? So, um, so, but we we loved it so much. We just thought, and we talked a lot about matches after the, each match. We thought, well, why don't we start writing a blog? And, um, and let's see, see what happens. And we deliberately took the view that um, we didn't want, you know, we're, we're, we're not guys that have played football when, you know, you're at school and you're much more aware of the technical aspects. Ours was a sort of a more rounded, not, I don't mean that in a sort of it as a better, but just a different perspective on it. Cause we, I, you know, don't get necessarily all the sort of technical, statistical, Bits. And so we just thought we wanted to sort of convey um, a match day experience, you know, as much as going to the ground and what you might eat and what the atmosphere was like and 
you know, whether it was fast paced or slow and, you know, and, and all the elements that went with it. And we just started writing it and, um, and we enjoyed it. But well, Jackie's the main scribe. She can talk about the, uh, the blog. I, I just said, she's the wordsmith. <laughs> but um, and just sort of the random things that happened on a match day, and uh, and obviously we've got an appreciation of the football, but maybe not as I say down to sort of technical details. But um, and yeah, and it's uh, the people that read it enjoy it, um, and and it just makes it even more fun the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So you, so when did you start that? So that was what was that? Oh, quite a long time. I'm trying to think um, out timeline. It was yeah. back in the championship, sort of real, the real depths of the championship when um, we'd been relegated. We were playing badly. We were, we were literally, I don't know, it was the season we finished about 20th or 19th in the championship. And it was just absolutely dire. Um, and, and I think we partly, we, we just started writing it to let off steam as much as anything else mm. to start with. Um, and kind of share our our views with other people, and then of course we've we've been on a bit of a journey since you know with the championship and with the two promotions, and the blog's sort of taken on a life of its own really, um, which is which is nice, and um, you know it's 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 nice when people respond and and sort of chime in with their thoughts, and um, I think what we find as well because there's two of us, we we have a slightly broader view. Um, I think when you've got one person, sometimes you know they they don't like Tom Kearney, and so it becomes a bit of an anti-Tom Kearney blog. Um, but because there's two of us, there's always kind of two views, um, and usually we agree, but not always. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which is, oh, which is good. That's the best way, isn't it? You don't want it to yeah. be too congenial, <laughs> and. And also, when, when things aren't going well, there's always so much more to talk about, isn't there? Um, winning's yes. boring. It's fun, but it's boring. Um, <laughs> losing, you can. there's different ways you can complain about the results, mm. who, who's to blame, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so I guess you've, you guys have had, well, both sides of it, haven't you, in, in the last couple of seasons? Um, obviously, you were getting into the, the Prem quite recently, then dropping down, and then obviously last year, bouncing back. Um, so lots of ups and downs. I mean, that, that probably helps chuck in loads of material, doesn't it, into the equation, I'd imagine. Very much so. Um, you know, it, it was a real roller coaster ride. And I think, you know, as, as you guys know, having been promoted not that long ago, um, the, the stress of trying to get promoted is is different, but as intense as the stress of trying not to get relegated. And so we've just had these, you know, series of quite stressful seasons for, for one reason or another. Um, and we were hoping this one would pan out differently, but it doesn't look like it will. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a tricky start. I mean, we, we don't have stress free seasons at Brighton. I think no. <laughs> I think I can count on like the fingers of one hand, the relaxing mid table seasons we've had. It's, it's so it's very rarely kind of. <laughs> But it is weird, it's a different pressure, isn't it? Because in a way, a win means so much more in a Premier League when you're trying to stay up because the number of points you need is so much smaller. And yeah. a win is such a huge thing. Three points, if you can get a couple in a row, whereas at the top mm. of the championship, two wins in a row is a bit meaningless. Really. No one really cares. You've got to carry mm. it on. In a Premier League, though, it's like such a huge thing. Yeah. And I think also in the championship, when you're trying to get promoted, if you lose, it feels like a disaster. 
I mean, we lost to um, Barnsley twice last season. And both times you thought, you know, this is the end of the world. Um, whereas, you know, this season you lose to Aston Villa. Oh, well, never mind. You lose to Arsenal. Never mind. Um, so yeah. it's, it's a completely different set of circumstances. But it's still, as you say, yeah. the same pressure and the same nerves. So you've got to kind mm. of, yeah, permanently kind of stressed. Permanently out. stressed. Yeah. The thing do, you with feel, is, do, you, do you feel better, though, that um, the way that, that the club are doing it this season? You know, you didn't go out and spend loads of money again. You know, the, the, you know, the manager's feels like he's going to be given a bit of time. You're competitive. You know, you're not, it's, there's no, there's no, um, it's not like you're kind of, you know, sort of bottom three and it's, and it's all over. It just feels like it's, it's a much better kind of basis than last time. And, you know, last time it's kind of like you got rid of the first manager and it just kind of went into a bit of a tailspin, didn't it really? It became a bit of a fiasco. And um, and I was just going to say as well that I noticed that even last season, you know, most clubs at the bottom stuck by their managers all season. And even those that went down didn't get the sack, apart from Watford. And I kind of hope it's going to be the same again this season. And I think that's probably, you know, will help give you a good chance of staying up, I think. We hope so. I mean, we're big fans of Scott and we have been really right from when he was appointed. And yeah, he's he's done wonders. He's got us promoted He's picked a team. He's got that team to gel. They're playing well. Um, they're playing a different style of football than, than we're used to, really. But it's a really good style and it seems to be effective. So we, we would like him to stay very long term. I think that, you know, on that, the lessons from when we were up before, I think they have been well and truly learnt. Um, and, yeah, and it wasn't just that we spent a lot of money, which all the commentators go on and on about. It's just, you know, everyone else spends lots of money too. It's just we spent it all very quickly in one go. And then all these new players that were, some were, you know, not worth the money, um, just didn't gel. And it was just a bit of a recipe for disaster. Whereas this time we still, we got quite a few new players in a quite short period of time because we had to, because the, the, when we were promoted and the gap between the playoff final and starting in the Premier League was really short. So we yeah. ended up with quite new players within a short period, but um, but not the stupid amounts of money that, that were basically untested in the, in the Premier League, you know, and just not really, you know, some of them like real, you know, journeymen like Andre Scherler we had before, obviously a great World Cup winner, but he was just the occasional show pony and then that was it. It was just, you know, we used to just love him being taken off they used to take him off at 70 minutes and we'd rather he got taken off at 20 minutes. It was just like, just, um, so that they've learned a lot of lessons, I think. Then one of the problems you guys had, I think, last time, wasn't it? We had a lot of loan players, didn't you, when you came up? Like, And I think other teams have had that too. Villa, when they first came up, and mm. I know they survived, had that. I think Leeds had a few as well. And it's one of the things actually Brighton didn't have when we came up. We only had two loan players, neither of whom were, were first choice, and we lost our keeper. And that was it, really. We kind of we were pretty much bringing up the team that, and then just built on that rather than having to like spend a lot of money and bringing in loan players. Mm. And obviously, Leeds didn't manage to get our player on through a unknown last season in the summer. So I had to one, of, one, 
One of those guys, of course, is Oliver Norwood, who uh, has ended up um, getting promoted three times with different clubs. Um, of course, you're nodding away. You're familiar yeah. with him. But yeah, it's interesting because he, he on the third occasion, he's actually been given a crack at it with Sheffield United. And it's really difficult to know the balance of what to do. In fact, speaking of Sheffield United, because Villa basically spent the vast majority of their money converting those loans into permanent deals and barring a really freak decision that went in their favour, they would have been relegated and in big trouble having spent mm. so much. Now, of course, they're they're sitting pretty. Sheffield United didn't really do that, apart from one signing, I think. Um, they, they didn't really spend an awful lot. They stuck with what they had. They were very much about the team ethic and they had a fantastic season. And yet, again, as another twist, we've now seen... Even sticking with that formula when you know it's worked doesn't guarantee it'll work the next season. It really is a minefield, isn't it? Um, so I think whatever you do, you, you don't know what you're in for. Um, all you can it does do is, is show how well we've done to stay up in you now our fourth season, really. I mean, and never, other than the end of the, the second Hewton season, we've never really been in massive danger. We've always had a couple of games at the end where we've yeah. had there. And even then, we had two games to spare, I think, when we were safe. So I mean, it, yeah. it actually does serve to show how well we've done to, to do that. Yeah. Cause it's very difficult, unless you like you know, Wolves, who threw money at it and have been able to buy most of the best players from Portugal because of the Asians link. Yeah. Or, you know, or um, similarly, Newcastle came up with a team that was far too good for the championship. But generally, mm. there are exceptions, but it is quite a hard thing. And even Newcastle haven't done that well. Yeah, I mean, Wolves, actually, another team that were far too good for the championship. I've, I've watched quite a few games, even though we got promoted the year before, I think it was. Um, Looking at them, I, I was so impressed with them. I knew they were going to be fine. Um, I yeah, think they had just... Uh, million pound players, didn't they, in the, in the championship on loan, yeah, admittedly. Yeah. But still, mm. it's like, yeah, it does but, help. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, did we beat them 4-0 at the cottage that season they went up? Jack. Oh, right, really? Wow, pretty impressive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. No, I think it was it was 2-0, but we... Did we beat them away as well? I can't remember. We beat them away as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, because normally teams beat them that season. They had 100 points or something, didn't they, I think? Or... Yeah, they did. Uh, Nearly. They were very good. Pretty yeah. impressive with a double over them, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, one um, one thing actually Peter's mentioned about how we've been relatively keeping clear of trouble. We've, I don't think we've been in the relegation zone apart from maybe technically in the first week. So, <clears throat> week or two, once or twice. Um, however, we could technically drop into it midweek. Um, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday. We're playing tomorrow, Wednesday, as we speak, um, when we play you guys. Um, now, looking at the um, head-to-head, apparently um, five only five draws between the teams, which is interesting, um, which included, of course, uh, the last time we played you, I think, when we were... Oh, no, no, that was uh, ended up 4-2. We don't want to no, talk no, about no. that one. <laughs> yeah, forget that one. Yeah, no, don't, didn't that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Uh, no, we've had only five draws. Um, you guys have won 23. We've won 22. It looks to Ooh. me like there's a really nice round figure to be had from us winning the next game. Would you mind at all if we just win this one? Um, it'd, be, it'd be in, most convenient. In other circumstances, <laughs> you know, we would be prepared to be generous, but I'm not sure we can be. Yeah, it, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because, uh, uh, well, I, what I personally think is that um, I've got to get your views on it in a minute, whether you think it's where, where the game's going to be won and lost. But I think in my case, or drawn, because I think I suspect 
we're in for a score draw in this game. That's my own personal opinion, but um, we'll have to see. But it, it really is a huge match, isn't it, at this point? Um, as we were talking about earlier, Peter and I, it's just this. Um, there's three, four, five, maybe six, maybe more, but probably not. Who are going to be involved at the bottom? And at the moment, we, uh, the Albion fans, know that we've just missed out on a load of opportunities, both in terms of some bad decisions, but also some lack of clinical finishing, some lack of taking command of games where we we actually have the edge on teams. And as such, we're not where we think we should be. Now we go into a, a stage where there's pressure on, and I think. Um, I think we're getting just sucked that extra bit down. The results went against us. You guys got an excellent draw with Liverpool, and I'm, I'll ask you about that in a moment. Um, Burnley winning at Arsenal was rather irritating, although it, it does also make it amusing at Arsenal <laughs> are getting close to a relegation struggle themselves. But um, overall, the results, you know, it's, it's made things very tight now, hasn't it? And the pressure really is on. Um, as we mentioned in the first part of this pod, um, the early season bedwetters are already out in the Albion camp, um, complaining about Potter, talking about whether we need to change this, that and the other. Um, very small numbers, probably comparatively at the moment. But um, it is already turning into a big match, this, isn't it? And you guys, with some good form, you, you actually beat Leicester, who we very comfortably lost to the other day. Um, you've got the same result as us against Liverpool, a one-all draw. Things are looking a bit more positive, aren't they? So... You must be confident going into this game, aren't you? <laughs> We're never confident, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wonder if we sort of turn it up, turn it on for you know some of the top table teams. You know, you never, you can never be complacent. So we've got the draw against Liverpool, we beat Leicester, basically two matches that we didn't expect any points out of, and when we're in the championship. As Jackie was saying, we lost to Barnsley, who were like in the relegation zone twice. You know, they did the double on us. So you, you can never ever <laughs> just take anything for granted. Um, and we don't do nil nil, so it won't be nil nil. No. no, we don't either. <laughs> we just don't do that. But in general, if we score first, we don't tend to lose. So that, uh, okay. I can't keep that in mind. We lost after we score first. Um, I, I, don't, I think it could be an unusual game, personally, because I, I think we're defending a lot better and we have a l- we're have we a lot pacier, a lot faster off the blocks than we you know, have been in the past. Um, but I think it could be quite edgy, quite a close game. So it, I don't think there'd be much in it. I, I, it could be 2-all, it could be 2-1. And I think Fulham... Could edge it because they're playing at home, but there's no fans now. Um, but it'll be it'll be an edgy game, I think. What do you think, Jackie? Yeah, the same. I think it's going to be very close. I think that in some ways, playing the top teams, people see it as a bit of a free hit. Maybe the pressure's not on you, um, and any sort of result is is a good result. Whereas you know, this is we're in this kind of mini table towards the bottom of the real table. And so in any match amongst ourselves is, is really important. You know, um, this is where it's, it's relegation is going to be won or lost. Yeah, teams, teams and, and individuals can tense up, can't they? They could, they could freeze under the, under the floodlights, as it will be tomorrow night, or, um, or they could 
managed to break through and and get into a confident phase. But it it really is so difficult to call, isn't it? I think a two or draw maybe, but uh, it really is so difficult to to call, isn't it? Last time we played under the floodlights, speaking of which, was that game I inadvertently referred to, <laughs> um, where we were two 0 up at half time and everything's sitting pretty. And, and we hit um, the bar at two 0 as well, didn't we? Prime proper proper hit the bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and off half time. Our friend Raymond, the gent who's been on the podcast, he actually left at half time. Um, it was mainly it was a weather thing. He's he's um he's a guy of a certain age who wanted to, to get home, I think, and get out. The weather was horrendous. The weather was bad. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think that was the reason he left. But I like to think he had a bit of um, intuition about what was about. To happen. <laughs> In fairness, we were we were due that because we've been quite lucky to get a two all draw against you guys at the Amex, where we got two penalties given mm. to us and. Quite and, this, and before that, we've been so lucky to beat you up. <laughs> you battered us yeah, the, twice. And we somehow managed to win both 2-1. In, well, in I actually... I've rarely seen a more lucky win. I mean, we had two minutes of dominance and scored two goals. And you guys had 88 <laughs> minutes of dominance and missed uh, a penalty. And I'll keep it. I was, had a really good game. And I, I, I was rushing. I was thinking of rushing out to get a sheepskin coat that I could wear to look sheepish in because um, the fact that we got wins in both those games, I I, I actually yeah, felt I almost we embarrassed. In the first half, second half, didn't we? But then the, the away one, there was we were so lucky. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Well, we one nil down, came back to two one up. Both I can't times, remember. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's, as you said, that's you mentioned Barnsley. That was basically, in a way, it's one of those things. It's an anomaly. A game you should win or whatever, and then mm. you don't. Um, based on certainly on the play, you guys, I was really impressed with you in that season that we went up because you just played really good football. And then I think it was, was it the next year you came up or the year after? I think it was, so it was 2018, did you come up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the year after us, yeah. And I'm yeah. not surprised because you could see it was a really good team there and uh, and they played the ball around. They just looked really clinical, quick, snappy with the passes. Great stuff. Really good. And um, the other thing to mention for me is I'm actually, so I'll come to that in a minute because Andy's got his hand up. Let's go to Andy because uh, it's on the same point probably. There was a couple of things I wanted to say really. One, one was that um, in that game that we did win 2-1, I think Fulham missed a penalty. And um, I was in that, I was in that neutral, I was in that neutral end. Fulham missed a penalty? No, yeah. that can't be right. I was in, that, I was in the neutral <laughs> end that day with, um, with uh, Luke and, um, and Louisa and, um, and the, the Fulham fans, when they got when you got the penalty, turned around and said, "Don't worry, he's going to miss it." And then he did. <laughs> we've, we've got quite a good, generally quite a good record at, um, at Craven Cottage. Even when we haven't deserved to win, we've we we pulled our games. But I just wanted to like summarise the way that we will be tomorrow. We will we will have some very good chances, and we probably won't take them. If you got if you're any good at um, scoring goals from uh, dead ball situations, then you probably will. And that probably will be your first goal. It's just whether we've got one before that. Um, we'll look pretty. Um, if we've got Lamptey playing, then he will occupy your your left flank, and your 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 forwards could end up being more defending than. And we don't know whether Lalana's going to play, and we're better when he plays. Um, and we will have a lot of the ball, but um, we'll never look. Normally, we won't look as if we're definitely going to play the game out. We're not very good at. Um, game management so that that's really sums up how we've been playing all season so um it's whether you can um pull that apart and get a couple of goals and put us on the back foot also if if there's a one-on-one you can generally relax 
Yeah, <laughs> to expand on that. Except every now and then, though, we have one game that we're like, I'm thinking about um, the, the Villa game where he finishes beautifully in that game over the yeah, keeper. That's true. But, you know, that it's, 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 like, it's literally yeah. like one in five or one in six. It's just yeah. whether tomorrow's going to be one of those games. But I don't, I don't, I think there'll be goals. I don't think it's going to end up a draw. I, I, you know, I'd like to think we're going to win, but. I can't sit here and tell you that's what I definitely think is going to happen. But I think there will be a result. I don't think it'll be a draw. I, I, I am going to be quite negative and go for a full and win, to be honest. I think we we don't have a history of doing very well when we're playing teams near us in the league. I look back to we played pretty poorly against Burnley and West Brom this season, or certainly the second half against West Brom and the whole match against Burnley, we weren't great. We have like games like that Cardiff home game and Bournemouth away last season were both quite big ones. And we, we didn't turn up really for those. I just think we're on a we're on a we've had a four couple of games really overall four game and a half Fulham look on a good run of form last couple of games and yeah I I think it'll probably be two or three one Fulham That's yeah it. a couple of points from me I think first of all can we have a radical change of rule and we we're allowed to have a penalty shootout instead because then I think <laughs> your two one or two all draw prediction could be about right because <laughs> we're both great at penalties aren't we. <laughs> Oh, I mean, like they talk about our penalties being comedy penalties. I mean, the, the last oh. one we got, we did actually convert, and that yeah. everyone was like, "Oh no, we got a penalty." Um, so, um, yeah, it, penalties are definitely not our strongest yeah. point. But I mean, in terms of this sort of style of play, we used to play like you're describing, Andy, in terms of being, you know, plenty of possession, but then really didn't really know what to do with it. But so not very good at actually them being cynical whereas now Scott Parker's got us playing completely differently that we're quite happy not to have the ball really and then um, and and then just counter which was really quite a new style for us and, yeah, and, and it's, well. fine. it's not even um watching lots of the matches where other teams have all the ball we, you don't feel nervous watching Fulham playing that that type of football and and the, and the pace and speed and the ability to break is is actually quite impressive. So we're surprised about how good he's got a playing but a very different style. So it's not boring and we're not sort of parking the bus. It's just just quite, you know, they are really sort of, um, holding the line and sort of like keeping their shape and not allowing yeah. teams to sort of get the space that they need just to sort of break through. And watching the, the match on Sunday, I mean, I felt it, it was like that Fulham were playing like you'd expect Liverpool to play because we were actually attacking from the off on Sunday, which uh, we didn't sit back at all. Um, so I think it, I think there will be goals because I think both teams can score goals and, um, you know, either side are capable of winning. I think it's a shame there's not going to be any fans at the cottage because I think a lot of the fans in the ballot wanted you're only, there were three matches you could um, potentially go to and you only got picked to go to one of them. So it was random, like which one, if you were lucky enough to get selected at all. And most fans have been saying that they wanted to go wanted the Brighton match rather than Liverpool or Southampton on Boxing Day. I think because they just think that the extra 12th man is going to really make a difference. And we don't have the crowd there tomorrow. So I think it makes it more even potentially. Yeah, it's an important game, isn't it? As such, in the, in terms of the head-to-heads. Yeah, just a couple of quick. 
<laughs> a couple of quick things from me. Peter, nice attempt at a reverse jinx by predicting a Fulham <laughs> win. I don't think that's going to work. It was a good effort, though. Um, the other thing you were saying I about counter-attacking. Wrong, genuinely. Well, you never know. Um, yes, you were talking about counter-attacking, Lorraine. I think um, you look at teams like Leicester that we've just both played. Um, they're experts at it. They're very good. They're lean and mean, and they're a very, very efficient operation. You look at a team like Palace, who are um, our lovely friends from up the road. Um, they are not so good at it, but they are good enough to actually seem to keep their heads just quite comfortably above water. When we played them, I thought they were terrible. And I think other teams might have had the same impression. However, in certain games, they're very effective. And I think counter-attacking works. And if you guys are allowing that system to work well for your personnel that you've got on the pitch, then... I think it's a useful way of playing. I think it, I think it can be quite fruitful. And I mean, Scott Parker. It's interesting how he's doing. I, I hope he does well. He seems a nice guy. Very emotive press conferences afterwards. I've been quite enjoying those, including the one from the playoff, of course, which uh, got uh, riffed into a into a tune, didn't it? Um, but he's he seems like he's a manager that's got some potential. And we mentioned it earlier about giving managers time. Farker at uh, Norwich, Wilder. I mean, they're, they're saying they're going to stick with him regardless, even though he's had a point out of what, 13 games, is it now? Um, that's incredible loyalty, I have to say, commendable. Um, he did take them from League One to the Premier League. Exactly. And, and he, you know, he's as good as anybody a, a candidate for getting them yeah, back if up. If you take the view that they're almost down, they down. Really, I suppose, then mm. you might as well stick, up, stick with him and hope that he gets you back up again, I suppose. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised. Sort of... I'm surprised that the um, that the media aren't actually making a bit more of the fact that the clubs seem to be sticking by their managers. In the yeah, of the, of the, um, obviously COVID's team. part of it, isn't it? That people have been more frugal with the money, but yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, but but even like last, yeah. even last season though, you know, no other than Watford, no one was looking to get rid of the manager. They all stuck by them. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm surprised that they didn't get a little bit more of a, a kind of a mention that that was the case. And I think that'll be the same this season. Well, we flagged, we discussed um, when a Southampton fan on before the game against them, we discussed Hassenhutl because I mean, he is the classic example of someone who, I mean, he was struggling anyway, and then they lost 9-0 to Leicester. I mean, most boards, frankly, would have sacked him at that point, and they stuck by him, and obviously reaping the rewards now at the top four currently, and had a, mm. had a pretty good end to last season as well. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's commendable. I like it. I think it's not always the right decision, but I think often it can be, and you might as well stick with them. There's more stability. There's more of a general project. And I think it's such a big chasm, isn't it? The Premier League to the Championship. It's such a big um, a big bridge <laughs> across there, and it's difficult to negotiate. And um, more often than not, you won't survive the first year. Um, and even if you do, you've got this second season syndrome that Sheffield United are... Uh, experiencing at the moment I think it's a real thing actually it really is the teams finding you out scenario when you've got the style Sheffield United have as well where one of their big things coming up was the element of surprise no one really knew how to play them last season and a year later the teams have worked out how to play them and they're you know I think Leeds will have the same thing if they stay up and if Bielsa stays on and they play that same way even now teams are starting to find them out yeah already yeah which is interesting and entertaining, of course. <laughs> I know you love Leeds, Peter. Um, but o- O'Connell at Sheffield United being missing for a large part of the season, that has been a telling factor. You, yeah, that's right. And you guys will know about that from when in their promotion season. No, no, because you would have been 
We went yeah, down yeah. when they came. You went up. down that year, yeah, yeah. So that wasn't the same season, yeah. But um, yeah, it's 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 good to see some loyalty given, and I hope it it bears out in the long run. Of course, Sean Dyche, another manager who's struggling at the moment, he was given that time, and they gone. They came, I think, straight back up, didn't they, mm-hmm. Burnley? And mm-hmm. um, that's that's born fruit. Uh, annoyingly, they look they look like they're getting their act together now as well. The they were, they, it was always likely they were going to sort themselves out, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Andy, well, I just wanted to um, ask you guys tomorrow: who who should we be looking out for? Our best player at the moment is Frank Anguissa. Look out for him. Um, he really is an exceptional midfielder. He can do stuff with the ball that not many players can do. He will go into a tackle and he will come out with the ball without apparently having done anything. It kind of it's all a bit like magic. And he's very fast, he's very strong, he's very dominant. Um, he's very, very good. So if he's playing well, then everything kind of slots in around him and the whole midfield becomes quite a an impenetrable force, actually. And then you've got now some good defenders behind them and some fast runners in front of them. So if, if we're playing well, um, you'll notice everybody, I think. Um, if we're playing badly, then no one will stand out at all. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. And Grisa, he's just really a, a, quite an exceptional talent. He was actually with us when we went up um, last time. And uh, and I think because the team was just the whole Motley crew, he, he didn't stand out then. Um, he's just been... Uh, where was he? Jackie was in France, wasn't he? Um, um, yes. interesting and the other one that's curious to me is uh, Bobby Reed, who's now known as Cordoba Reed, isn't he I think firstly what's that all about and secondly um, he's got four goals hasn't he so I think he's your top scorer is that right? Yes he is what sort of, what sort of um, uh, attributes does he have, what, how do we need to negate his potential uh, dangers? He's very quick, very lively but also quite clinical these days, he he came to us from Cardiff, where he'd had a really good season in the championship. He had an okay season with us in the championship. Everyone liked him. He's a lovely guy. You can see how hard he works, but it wasn't kind of coming together for him. And so then he sort of thought, oh, well, how's he going to do in the Premier League? But actually, he seems more at home in the Premier League than he did in the championship. And Scott has 
masterminded this move for him to kind of a right wing back position. And so I think at least two of those goals are being scored effectively from from the back. But um, yeah, he's he's good, very very lively. One one to look out for definitely. And and an interesting fact is his sister is a London Labour MP. She's oh, Marsha okay. Decordova. So is that is that that's their mum's name, I think. Yeah. And so he uses that as well now. Well, it's becoming fashionable to have double barrel names, isn't it? I'm going to have to invent one myself. Up there. Yeah. Well, we, but, have, uh, we have a lot of cheeky glasses of wine, don't we, Jackie? We do, we do. Yeah, well, he's done well in the past, hasn't he, um, on loan. Um, how's he getting on overall, would you say? To be honest with you, he's our weak link. Um, ah. if, if you want to target somebody, target him, because he's... Um, yeah, in an otherwise good team, he doesn't stand out. Yeah, I, I, you know, people, we, we want him to do well. The, the Chelsea fans clearly think he's amazing, but we're just not seeing it. Hmm. I think I joke about Palace, but he did, I think he did have a good loan spell at the, uh, with them. So it does, it's funny, isn't it? It does suit certain clubs, certain players. And, hmm. you know, you, you've seen it up and down the land um, at all sorts of levels as well and internationally. He struggles a bit with injuries, doesn't he? Doesn't yeah, he that's true. So you kind of yeah. wonder whether that's curtailing him a bit. A lot of yeah. people are saying that, yeah, which is yeah, obviously I mean, very of, unfortunate. One of the two, one or two Palace fans that I know that I, you know, I trust their opinions on football. They, they, they raved about him, but like you say, he's not really, he's not really doing it for you at the moment. No, he's, hmm. he's not shining, and, and uh, you know, our uh, director of football happens to be the owner's son. Here, at the beginning of the season, he said, oh, we don't want loan players because we're not here just to bring on other teams' players. And then we did actually get quite a few loan players, like Loftus Cheek. And he, you know, he needs game time because of all his injuries and he can get that with us, which we couldn't get with Chelsea. Um, yeah, I, I I think he could come good. He's obviously a good player. It's not it's not quite working at the moment, though. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm rather disturbed that Andy's trusting the opinions of Palace fans on the matter of football. I'm very disappointed, well, of, Andy. Well, one of them is the uh, one of them's the UA for the UA for B coach at um, West Wickham, who who coaches at Chelsea as well. So, I well, we'll give him a free know. pass then, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt on a regular basis, unfortunately. Um, speaking of Palace fans, assuming this goes ahead as planned, we've we've got um, comedian Kevin Day coming on our next episode, so that should be fun. Um, we asked him to come on. Um, I won't bore you with the details on it, but eventually he's agreed to come on, but he didn't want to come on anywhere near uh, a match with us, so that's why we've got him on at such random timing. Um, that's coming up in our next episode, so stay tuned for that one. But coming back to the Fulham match... Um, Lorraine, you mentioned about the, the the game with the fans. You were at the match, weren't you? You you had the uh, the chance to get to that game and a very good uh, choice of game to. Well, I know you didn't choose. It was a matter of ballots, I'm sure, and yeah. so on. But um, you you got to a good game there, a one all draw. Um, obviously, now in the last couple of days, the tier three announcement for London has come in. We're all living in London and we're all suffering as a result of that from tomorrow. Um, from the football point of view, that means Fulham, by a matter of well hours really, are going to miss out on having the benefit of the fans, which you had for that Liverpool game. To what degree do you think the fans helped in the Liverpool match? And to what degree do you think that might be a problem, if at all, um, with the game tomorrow? 
well, it's hard to tell, um, you know, from a you know, performance perspective. Yeah. I think, well, the fans obviously love being there because, you know, there's nothing like seeing it live and action right in front of you. I mean, the, um, the players like Bobby Dicker, David Reed, said that even when they were warming up on Sunday, they just, they, they really just could could feel the vibes coming from the crowd. And I think they did get a little bit, quite honestly. And um, and I think a lot of the players that are new, because we've had a lot of new players come in, uh, just for them to get a taste of the atmosphere was just really good. So I think it, it probably did add something. And um, and throughout the match, they said that even though there was only 2,000 fans there, that they could hear us. And it was, you know, it felt good for them as well. And I think... Um, some players, uh, our, our top striker from the championship, anyway, Mitrovic, wasn't even on the bench on Sunday because he took a knock in training, apparently. Um, but he definitely needs a crowd. I think that's why he hasn't been performing that brilliantly. Um, and I think it's a shame that they're not going to be there tomorrow. Of course, it's, it's a bit of a disadvantage, obviously, for the away team because, you, you know, it's only home fans allowed. So it, it might have been, you know, the element that would make the difference. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's obviously a shame it's understandable what's happening, but um, yeah, it might be that thing that just pushes the team just to, you know, push that bit more. Um, yeah. But I could don't know if even I was going to say, it could just be a one or two percent difference. Maybe it has an influence, maybe not. There's various studies about whether crowds influence the the, uh, the performances. Um, I think, uh, yeah, you're right. Some players thrive on it. Other, I think other players benefit from not having it. Um, it more in so large numbers, anyway. It's, it's felt like like the dark, the bigger top top of the table games, for example, where it's felt like without a crowd, players have settled for a draw more early. The United yeah. at the weekend was very flat, and you feel if there had been a crowd there, United would never have sit back quite as much as they did and just allow basically kind of accept a nil nil. Mm. Yeah. That's you know, kind of it's almost like teams are now maybe going to the season they've accepting draws in certain games, whereas a home crowd would have just driven the team on, or or the away crowd even, if it had been mm. a full crowd. I've seen one yeah. study where they said that the refs are giving less uh, yellow cards to opposing teams because they're not getting the pressure of the crowd to dish out more cards. Yeah. So yeah. that is a statistical change. Yeah, we're talking, um, we were having a Seagulls over London um, post-match chat, I think, after a game recently, I think it was a Southampton game, where we had a, a referee, a qualified ref, was one of the Albion fans on the chat, and he was referring to um, uh, some research about the influence of crowds on refereeing decisions and how it does have an effect. So that was, that was quite interesting, um, certainly how things have panned out in this COVID era that we're now in. Um, yeah, and... Well, we, we, it's going to be behind closed doors, unfortunately. All we've got now is Brighton, Southampton, Liverpool and Everton, who are currently allowed to have fans, um, which is a shame. There must be a fair amount of Albion fans in London who can't go now as well and that sort of thing, and Kent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know several myself that uh, had tickets yeah. based on the ballot. And, um, Similarly, a lot yeah, of gonna... fans probably can't go as a lot of the North West is, is, you know, kind of in, in lockdown, so that Tier 3, so... That's true. Yeah. Well, London, I mean, we've, we've mentioned it many times before in this podcast, Peter, you were born and brought up in London. I'm from Sussex and now living in London. And I think Andy the same. Um, 
But if we were coming to London without having an affiliation for a team, I have to say, and I'm not just saying this because you guys are, are looking at me on Zoom chat here, but I, I think there's there's probably two clubs I would pick, one one or other clubs, who just would fit the bill for me. One of them you're not going to be happy with, the other one you are. Um, Fulham is definitely one of the teams I would pick if I was looking for a club. The other one's probably Brentford, to be honest. I know, I know. Sorry. <laughs> QPR. I don't know. Somehow QPR doesn't appeal. As a neutral, I'm not interested. I don't know why. Um, I know you guys were saying it earlier, but Craven Cottage is one of my favourite grounds to visit. And it probably does help yeah. with that we've, until last time, have won three in a row there. But yeah. it also is, like, I've got a great record at Peterborough when I've been there. I've not seen Brighton lose, and I love that as well. But... It's- it's really definitely my favourite, my favourite London London ground, yeah. yeah, yeah. Proper, and it also helps me take loads of fans normally because we're normally have a lot of the neutral end as well as the as mm. well as the Brighton end as well. So it's a really good atmosphere on the day as well. And yeah, except locally, except in one game in the eighties when we played you on New Year's Day, and I was I remember standing on the uh, terrace. It must have been must have still been the Putney end, I guess, because I think I remember the river was to the left back then. And um, I had the most horrendous hangover for some strange reason, <laughs> New Year's Day. Um, and I remember I put, bought this cup of soup in a plastic, you know, one of those floppy polystyrene type containers. And it was it, it was brimmed over the edge and it was burning my hands. I just remember standing freezing to death, but with burning soup on my hands in a bore drawer. It was a goldish drawer. Um, thinking, what am I doing here? But that was the only the only time I haven't really enjoyed myself at Fulham. But it's I think the catering's improved a bit since then, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah, the suit wasn't great as well. I have to say. <laughs> I, I remember taking a mate to a Fulham game with an Oxford fan um, in the in our I think it was in a Hereford season, and uh, they were like top, and we were obviously not, and we were two. We lost two nil, and. <laughs> I think that was like the December sort of time. It was freezing and it was, we were like, I think 12 points adrift at the bottom of the table. And it was just one of the most depressing experiences. You know, you kind of walk your way thinking, I don't think we're ever going to win again. And we're probably going to go to the conference and go out of business at that yeah. point. And... Well, two things about the ground, just quickly back to Lorraine, because you were at the game uh, on uh, the weekends. Um, first of all, there's the development going on on the Riverside stand, whatever that one's called. What's it called? There? That stand? It is called the Riverside stand. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, complete guess. Um, yeah, so so that development's going on. So I'm interested to know if you could gauge what's what's happening with that, because obviously the, the timing's perfect for that, isn't it, with the, the crowds not being there in numbers. And also what, what you were telling us off air, but if you could tell us on air about the um, the atmosphere at that game as well. Well, the, the Riverside stand, I mean, they've been talking about it for a while, and obviously it's taken a while to get things going. But as you said, the timing is just really good because, you know, with fans away um, and reduced capacity anyway, it's it, it sort of timed very well. Um, I mean, at the moment, we're, what, about 25,000 capacity, Jackie, is it? We were before like the, and, when we had all four stands, yeah. yeah. I and mean, this is about another four or 5,000, I mm. think, so... Uh, so you know, it's it's not stupidly large. You know, we we recognise how big our fan base is. It's not we're not going for anything sort of humongous, but it will be pretty good because um, apart from anything else, at the moment, if you walk along the river from Hammersmith, you you the the football ground just uh, is right up to the river. Whereas now, 
you can you'll be able to walk right along the river so even if you're not going for the football so that's, oh, that's right. good for you to, and the big cafes and restaurants and all the rest of it and there will oh, be that's some brilliant. yeah so that's good so it just means that everyone can just use that space if you've got riverside then it, it's it's great so even on non-match days you can use it which should be good and then um but it it looks quite fancy in the drawings because it's got some about 12 apartments at the top, which we assume all the directors will have not very nice apartments um, in Craven Cottage. And it's even got a rooftop swimming pool. So that's quite cool. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure how that's going to look at the end, but it will, um, it will be pretty fancy. Um, but that's great, because yeah. that, that, that was the issue, wasn't it? That walk along the river gets spoiled, it gets interrupted, mm. doesn't it? Which is such a disappointment. Yeah, because otherwise it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And what about the atmosphere? Oh, uh, the last season. Well, I'm just sort of saying the last season because the Riverside Stand, all the season ticket holders there were sort of scattered around the cottage, and I think they've just enjoyed being in different places. But they'll obviously be going back. Um, but the atmosphere on Sunday was just great. It was just two thousand people, but small ground at either end, sort of singing, chanting, you know, in stereo as an echo. It was just. It, it just, it felt so good to be back. And we had the clappers, which are obviously completely sort of um, much loved by the fans, much hated by everybody else. It was, it was just really good. Andy. Andy. Yeah, I was just, just going to say, I quite like that idea of being behind each goal. I mean, when I went, we had a, a little bit behind the north, but although I, I personally prefer to sit in the halfway line and watch the game, but... Um, I think we missed a trick there. Actually, we should we should go behind each goal at our, game, our ground as well. I think we should anyway. I think we should a away fan should be in the corner between the the south and the east, and and then the um the, the home fans behind both goals because it does make a difference even mm. in normal times. Mm. Yeah, and you could get an atmosphere between three sections then as well. Yeah. Two behind the goal, home things plus the away. Yeah, but Andy, you were at the game. Um, you weren't on the last episode, so we haven't talked about it. But you were at the game against Saints, weren't you? Um, our one and only game since lockdown where we've had fans in, apart from the friendly against Chelsea. Um, and how was it? Yeah, what I mean, was your it experience? was. Yeah, I mean, it was it was well organised. Um, I had a great a great seat on the halfway line, about eight or nine rows back. Um, I quite, I mean, from the point of view of. So, so years ago, when I was doing some dissertation, uh, this this academic said there are two types of fans. There are those who get involved with the crowd and the atmosphere, and there are those who like the details of the of the of the game. So, I've always seen myself as one of those actually who errs on the side of the details of the game. Although, um, you know, it, I, I kind of rethought that a little bit after Southampton because although the atmosphere was good for what it was, you know, it's it's obviously limited by the fact we've only got two two and a half thousand in there. And it just felt different. So it was good to be back watching it. But, you know, if someone said to me, that's going to be it for the next 18 months, two years, then I'd have to have a rethink about everything I'm doing around watching Brighton. But what I did like about it was actually, well, first of all, I just prefer to watch games live because you get a much better understanding about what's going on and why things are happening than you do when you're watching it on TV. Especially off the ball. Yeah, even regardless of the atmosphere, I've certainly, um, certainly always felt that. But also it was quite interesting watching the players because you could hear a little bit more about them, you know, the talking and, 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 and how they were trying to control things and, and the messages going out and who was doing what, really, who was talking. So, I mean, overall, it was it was really enjoyable. Um, 
I don't know if I've even put this on the um, on the Seagulls over London, but I actually got a, so you get a, everything's random at Brighton and um, three games and you go priority one to four, and um, I actually got priority one again for the Arsenal game. So actually, I could have gone to two out of three games, which is you know some guys haven't got much beyond priority three yet. Um, but obviously, um, so I decided I wasn't going to go anyway. I'd let someone else have a chance. And anyway, um, because we're in London, we're not allowed. We're not allowed to attend the game, so it didn't matter in the end. But um, um, but you know, it's kind of yeah. You just hope you know that with um, with the immunisations that we just get more people in there really to watch the games get back to some normality. I was kind of hopeful that maybe Easter we might start edging that way, but I'm not so sure now. I think it might be a bit longer. But um, it was just lovely just to be back in there watching some top-class football rather than my um, under-10s, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in terms of the away games, I've gutted. I've already missed my first Palace game since I've been going to games um, at Selhurst earlier on in the season. And Fulham is probably my favourite ever away game, I think, as a general away destination. We're going to miss that one tomorrow night. So it's, it's a bit of a shame, but it's very unique circumstances that we're dealing with, isn't it? So it has to be unfortunately endured for now. Um, so I think just in the, I don't know if you guys have got any particular score predictions. I, I know, um, Jackie, you said, I think, 2-1 or 2 all. Lorraine, are you, are you reckoning along the same lines? Yeah. Yeah, not nods. <laughs> I'm going to go with two all. Andy and Peter, any predictions from you guys? I said earlier, I, I genuinely hope I'm wrong, but I think 2 1 or 3 1 Fulham. I was giving you a chance to change your opinion, but you're still <laughs> sticking with that. Okay, fine. I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be, um, the yin to Peter's yang, and I'm going to go 2 1 Brighton, actually. Ooh, I think it's radical. kind of, um, I think it's just one of those games where we're going into it a little bit doom and gloom. Depends on who's playing. Um, you know, we're almost not expecting to win, even though it's a winnable game. And it's the kind of game that, you know, we might end up sneaking it. Excellent. Good. I love I love it. <laughs> Keep talking. Well, this, this podcast is all, always very evolutionary. We, we said it's going to be two parts. It's actually going to be three because um, nature calls. And I'm going to have to have a quick pause here. Um, but are you um, lovely ladies from Fulham able to stay with us for a very brief third part in just a moment? Absolutely. Around? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, we'll great. just discuss general football news and a couple of other bits. Um, so we will take a short break and we'll be back in just a moment. So welcome back to the third and final part of this episode where we are still Russell, Andy and Peter collectively together with Jackie and Lorraine. Um, Everybody's still enjoying themselves, hopefully. Uh, We're going to peruse a quick bit of general football news now. Um, First of all, a bit of sad news. Gerard Houllier, of course, uh, passed away in the last couple of days. Um, In fact, I think it was yesterday. Um, Monday, which is uh, such a shame. He'd been, um, I think, a title winner with Paris Saint-Germain. He obviously did a great job with Liverpool, went on to manage at Villa as well. And he was, I think he was technical director when France won the World Cup in 98. So he's got an illustrious career after, um, you know, in, in terms of not as a player, but as a, a manager, coach, technical guy. Um, such a shame, really, to see him pass at the age of 73, 
Um, seems a very nice guy. He had a disciplinary edge despite uh, all that. But he's absolutely loved at Liverpool, isn't he? And uh, it's, it's a bit of a sad loss. Yeah. Yeah, and 73 yeah. is not that old as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course he had um, he had a heart attack, didn't he? I think actually uh, during a game at Anfield, um, and you know there, there were fears for his health. He did go on to have many more years afterwards, but yeah, still seventy three is quite a young age. Um, also, since we last had a podcast, I think Paolo Rossi passed away, the great Italian striker, got a hat trick in the World Cup in eighty two on the way to Italy winning. Um, I think he was embroiled at one point in a match-fixing fixing scandal, which apparently, it, by all accounts, it sounded like he was just uh, guilty by implication. But he wasn't actually guilty of anything, um, which was a shame. Um, it sort of blighted his was, career a bit. Yeah, that was. Um, but he, I think that was prior to the eighty-two World Cup, so he comes back into the. Yeah, the, just in time, wasn't it? That, hardly played yeah. any games. Yeah, and just just takes off. You know, everyone's yeah. looking at that Brazilian side, thinking, "This is it." You know, and and the French were really good at the time, as well. Yeah. Um, and then um, he just kind of goes on to a different level. Yeah, Can't stop scoring. And that was the first World Cup I remember. Actually, I loved Zico, Socrates, Falcao, all that stuff. Um, but you had Tardelli and you had Rossi, and then as you said, you had France. Must have been was it Jures yeah. and Jures Platini and, uh, and Tigana? Yeah. Is that the yeah. World yeah. Cup with the um, horrendous tackle on the French keeper? <laughs> Uh, no, I think it was it was um, it was it was the German keeper, wasn't it? Schumacher oh, takes out the takes right. out the French from, forward. Um, yeah, I think he loses uh, about three teeth. World, was it that World Cup? Mm. Yeah, loses about was. three teeth. So. Yeah, in the semi final. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Schumacher on. Um, did you I think guess? it was it might have been Chires actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. pretty. Yeah, yeah. Lost about three teeth anyway. He didn't even get booked. <laughs> No. He didn't get booked. He killed the guy. He didn't even get booked. Wouldn't that game? Can't believe it. It's a good job all the decisions are correct nowadays, isn't it? I think oh, VAR yeah. might have overruled that one. Even <laughs> <laughs> VAR might have spotted that. Yeah. So, so um, Jackie and Lorraine, any thoughts on that in terms of Julie and uh, Rossi? They're kind of obviously sad days for their for their friends and family, but uh, both legends in their own way, weren't they? Yeah. Very very sad. I mean. You know, from a from a broader point of view, 2020, it just keeps on giving, doesn't it? With, oh, with you know, yeah. not just great footballers. You know, John Le Carre died yesterday as well. That's, you know, Julio Le Carre, two, two really nice, really influential people just gone in, in one day. Right. So, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I, that's the first yeah. I heard of that one. Yeah. yeah. There has been a very high number of sort of, should we say, sort of famous people's uh, deaths this year it's and uh, ironically most of it's nothing to do with covid either it just happens to be the way but um especially in the football world we've lost jack charlton norman hunter um trevor cherry uh, peter Bonetti, i think might have been this year as well and um, someone called maradona yeah i've, I've yeah. heard of him i, I yeah. can't quite place him but <laughs> yeah maradona, of course recently Pretty yeah good in his day. apparently we've so lost yeah Papa Buba Diop as well and he was oh, yeah, very young yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah, that was very yeah. shocking news. So yeah. it's, it's sad times. Um, yeah, 42, which Not is so no age at all, is it? Yeah, yeah. But it, it's just been an awful year, as you said, just in, in many ways, COVID, uh, various political issues that have been going on, um, which we won't delve on. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but bereavements have been, it's, it's been a horrible, horrible time. Um, 
speaking of COVID, of course, in the early days of lockdown, um, we were told not to go out and a certain Mr Grealish did, didn't he? Six days after being told not to. Um, he was caught out, I think, in the early hours of the, mor- of the morning after, according to witness reports heard in court yesterday, or might have been today. Um, uh, there was a security guard that said that he was acting erratically and was slurring his words. Um, this was eight in the morning after having stayed without permission at, at um, Ross McCormack's house the night before. Um Maybe you couldn't get out, couldn't jump over the wall, if everyone remembers the McCormack <laughs> excuse from a few years ago. Um, but ultimately, what's, what seems to have happened is he's, he's got in his car wearing mismatching sliders and has then crashed into two different vehicles. I've seen the video footage today. He actually reverses quite aggressively into a van, hits it very hard, drives forwards out of shot, and then for some reason reverses back into view and crashes into a different car. Um but apparently this was him just getting flustered by having had a, a, an unexpectedly horrible moment hitting a car out the blue. It's, and it was to do with his funny. footwear. Normally in incidents yeah. involving Grealish, there's no contact at all. The slippery footwear fits though, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. I mean, the judge didn't seem to agree with the excuses because he's banned him for nine months from driving and given him something like an 83,000 pound fine i think it is which obviously that's partly reflected in his income i assume but um clearly they didn't think he was innocent um not great is it really with with other misdemeanors in the past great player very infuriating player the falling over is ridiculous it's embarrassing um uh, but uh this is not great is it this sort of news pretty poor it is poor i mean people you know everyone would love to go to parties and see their friends and you know, but but we're we're all trying not to. So when when you hear about somebody that has been, regardless really of, of whether they're a famous footballer or not, they they do deserve to have the book thrown at them. Never mind um, reversing into other people's cars when drunk and wearing mismatched sliders, uh, which should be a crime in itself anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he deserves what's come to him. To be honest, yeah. Maybe he could have been banned yes. from football for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's, he's arrogant on the pitch and he's obviously arrogant off it, so... Yeah, I mean, um, I don't want to put the boot in too much, but I'm going to do it anyway. Somebody I know said that uh, she knew uh, one of the Villa players and uh, she was living in the Midlands and she attended some games in, in a box and the next box along, I presume this must be a post-match thing, um, there's a Greenish was there and apparently he was being quite arrogant, so... Not not impressive, but I mean, he is a great footballer, but ultimately you've got to know how to behave. I know they're fairly young at that age, but and it is difficult times, but the rest of us are managing it and we've got less privilege to to fall back on. So I, I think it's disgraceful personally. Um, but there we go. Um, another matter, I mentioned a few weeks ago that Roy Keane was making a tongue-in-cheek comment about thinking that Arsenal would be safe from relegation. I'm not quite sure it's looking so funny now, is it? They genuinely could be involved. Anybody think they might actually get dragged into this? <laughs> Peter's shaking his head. <laughs> I no? don't think so. No. Unfortunately, it, it would be interesting, but I don't, I don't mm. think they'll be dragged into it. I'd, I'd love them to, if only just to keep watching Arsenal TV on Twitter, because it just cracks me up. <laughs> Absolutely cracks me up. I can't I believe it's taking this on to discover it. I yeah. just think it's, it's great. It's the it's best of the ages. 
you're too good to go down and it gets overused and it's proven wrong continually. But I think in Arsenal's case, it is genuinely true. I mean, if you look at the results recently, they were they were on top against Burnley until a moment of madness from Xhaka, who surely they're oh, going to get rid of crazy. now. I mean, he's basically yeah. kind of a liability. They were they were on top again. They were doing well, okay against Leeds and ended up holding on despite Pepe having a moment of madness. You know, they if they need to have to stop having players sent off. Yeah. Preferably not well, at the Amex. Well, we played them first match of the season. We'd only been like <laughs> a few weeks. I think it's five weeks since we won the playoff final. So it had a turnaround time, and you know they just won the um, the what the, the um, they just beaten um, won the FA Cup and the Community Shield the FA Cup and, and also the Champions Shield the Shield and the Community Shield that's it. And um, and so you know we weren't exactly the confident, but they convincingly thrashed us. And Abani Yang obviously scored. It was a really good goal. And um, William and uh, it was you know it was sort of like a lesson in how to play Premier League football. But that was when before we'd changed our defence, and Abani Yang scored no goals. And I think if we played them now, we'd would have a different result. I really do. So who knows? They might be down there. Yeah. Weirdly, much more fancy our chances against them at the end of the month than I do against you guys or even Sheffield United at home because yeah, I mean, they're the sort of I team we beat because they come and assume they should be able to beat us. And actually, we're, we're better than they would, would rate us. And we beat them both times last season. Whereas Sheffield United and you guys will have a will give everything and will fight for everything. Whereas Arsenal don't. Arsenal team do lack fight quite often. Um, yeah, I reckon we're going to... Um, fight, I, I, I think We'll drop points against both you guys and Sheffield United. And then we've got a hex over West Ham and Arsenal. So I know it's going to go that way around. We'll, we'll lose these two games. There'll be an enormous amount of stress. The bed wetting will go off the scale. And then we, we'll, we'll beat West Ham and Arsenal. I just know it's going to go that way around. <laughs> um, but I do have a couple of Arsenal mates who listen to this podcast. So if they're listening, Keith, Addy, apologies for laughing at your current predicament. And we're not really in a position to do it that much. However, if we can win... Uh, the game tomorrow, we would still potentially go above you in the table. Just saying. Um, now that's that's completely confirmed that we're going to lose tomorrow I mean, night. Now that's the last two weeks as well, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we keep saying it. They keep staying three points ahead of us. They're having a nightmare as well. But when we eventually win our last game of the season, then we we will go above them and finish second, bottom, rather than bottom. <laughs> small mercies or small glories, yeah, something like that. Um, the only other thing I've got to mention for this week's news so far is um, apparently Crawley have signed former Towie, and I barely know what that means because I've never watched it. It's the only way is Essex, isn't it? Um, individual and Strictly Come Dancing star um, Mark Wright, I think his name is. Um, he's got a football background, but Crawley have signed him. Apparently it's not quite so gimmicky as it may first appear. I think he's been on the youth books somewhere or other around London um, in one of the pro clubs. So... He probably played for Crawley before, as what I read, or something like that. He kind of... Oh, has he? Really, yeah. Well, yeah. In Interesting. 2007 or something like that, he was on the books of Crawley, or I don't know whether he played a game, but... Yeah, there's been some weird ones, hasn't there? We had, what's his name, from One Direction, was playing for Doncaster, and that was in a gimmicky capacity. And I think Colonel Gaddafi's son played in Italy. Uh, apparently, he was a very studious, hard-working guy with a good attitude and a nice bloke. Um but not very good at football. <laughs> so up, up there with George Weir's cousin playing for uh, <laughs> yeah. twenty minutes or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it's good old Graham Soonis, bless him. Yeah. Um, 
that's about it news-wise. If, unless anyone else has got any uh, any other bits to add to it, uh, doesn't look like it particularly. So we'll probably <laughs> round it up. Sorry, Sorry, I so... just said that Ozil gets off the speed in when oh. at 97 miles an hour on the motorway, but he said he thought he was doing it in kilometres and not miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that Ozil, did you say? Yeah, I mean, he got fined a thousand quid and got let off, got six points rather than a ban. And when he was said this, he by the way? It was only yesterday, I think, in the news. Well, he's been living in London for quite a long time, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's not playing. Where's he going in a hurry? He's probably really doesn't have to go anywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just thought whatever barrister made up that excuse, they deserve their money. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Never mind. Right. Well, that, that pretty much rounds it up. Um, just to quickly mention, we're sponsored by Seagulls Over London. If you're interested in joining and you are a Brighton fan living or working in the area, then check us out on www.seagullsoverlondon.com. Quite a logical uh, website address there. I'm sure you'll agree. Um, if you want to contact this show, Brighton Rock Podcast, you can contact us at Brighton Rock Pod on Twitter or you can contact us at brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we've got Kevin Day due to join us on Friday. Uh, he's a Palace uh, fan. He's a comedian. Those things may or may not go together. You can, you can make your own mind up. Um, but he's, no, he's, he's, he's going to be good value, I think. He's written a book. Uh, we'll be talking about that. He's also a writer of Have I Got News For You and various other things. So he should be good value. We've got that coming up next. And um, we'll hopefully not be talking too much about the uh, controversies of, of a football match again. Let's hope whatever happens in the in the Albion game at Fulham, it's all fair in love and war, so to speak. Um, so until next time, thank you very much to Jackie and Lorraine for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. We certainly have. Thank you very much. Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks, as always, to Andy and Peter as well. And from me, Russell, um, we're just left to say the final words. So, Peter, stand or fall? Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.